0: I think of your mercy Revealed to old sinful I say how excellent is your name In all the earth? I wonder
1: praise you may be seated our ushers come forward and as they come forward if you are visiting with us today I forgot to get our visitors a moment ago and recognize them but if you're visiting with us today would you just lift your hand up there high enough for the usher to see it we have a guest packet that we want to give to you there's a gift in there small gift in there for you from the church and there's also a guest card we'd appreciate so much if you would take it and just fill it out drop an offering plate in just a moment We would like to send you some information this week about the church. We want you to get to know us better, and we want to get to know you better. So if you'll take just a moment to uh, fill that out for us, we'd certainly appreciate it. Good to have all of those that are visiting with us. Good to have some folks up from my neck of the woods, uh, some folks from my brother-in-law's church in Mountain City, Tennessee, and then uh, from Boone. You folks, would you stand? there back here in the middle. Let's welcome them to the services today. Good to have them with us. Appreciate you being here. Again, we appreciate all of our visitors being with us this morning. I wonder, our parents, how did you like Noah's Ark this morning? Wasn't that nice back there? Praise the Lord for that. We opened our new nursery facilities this morning. We're excited about that. And if you haven't uh, gone back and looked at you need to go back and look look at it. It's very, very nice. And I think we have as nice of nursery and preschool facilities as anywhere you'll find and that's on purpose we know how important that is but uh, we want our, our parents to feel like the children when they're put into the nurseries uh, like now we have three nurseries there's those Little Cribbies and those Little Crawlers and those Little Toddlers and uh, by just walking through there this morning we're gonna add a fourth one those Little Convicts there's a few of them back there but uh, uh, it, is, it is very nice we've added all kinds of safety features to our nursery security features such as while you're in the auditorium here today uh, they're secure no one can get back to the children unless they're allowed in and so a lot of things we want you to feel like your children are being well taken care of and that's the reason for our new nursery and preschool called Noah's Ark just a couple of things that remind you of course that's not the only thing we're doing here a lot of things are going on in the early stages I'm uh, preparing now for uh, the new auditorium, and as I mentioned uh, last Sunday, I believe it was, we want and hope to have something uh, for you by December, an artist rendering, drawing, kind of a floor plan to let you know uh, what we're going to be putting up, where it's going to go, and different things like that. Many have asked a lot of questions about it, but uh, we're getting all that information to them now. We're getting surveys done, hiring civil engineers, things like that to help us to come up with our master plan. And as soon as we have something available, we'll be getting that to you and showing that to you for the approval of the church. But we're very, very excited about it. But your giving is very, very important. And I want to thank you for your giving thus far. Just in the month of August alone, we raised over $40,000. That was toward the building. And so we're encouraging many of you to uh, pray about special gifts every week. Maybe somebody uh, drop in a special gift along the way. Maybe the Lord lay it upon your heart to give a large amount of money, or whatever you can give. Every little bit you give uh, will be certainly go a long way in helping us to reach our goal. How much we raise has, is one of the factors in when we're ready to start. Our prayer is that we're ready to start But this time next year. It'll take us at least that long uh, to, if we were starting today, to have everything ready to start. But we're praying that maybe by this time next year we can at least be in the stage of getting the architectural drawings for it. But your giving every week is important, your special gifts too. We have two field Sundays left in this year, and those are double your tithe Sundays. And we believe we're going to have over, raise over $100,000 before this year is out. That is our goal, and we're excited about that, and it looks like we're going to do that. So I appreciate you giving. But you need to give, and I appreciate you giving. And everybody, you need to give, and you need to give weekly. I've encouraged you, I want you to give, and, and I hope you know my heart. That I want you to give because one, it's right to give and it's, it honors the Lord. It's been obedient to the Lord and God will bless you for your giving. But uh, every member, it's important that every member tithe, it's important that every member give to the Lord every week. You see, what we do and what comes in weekly will also be a factor in when we're ready to start. How much money we raise will be a factor in when we're ready to start So all of these things, I hope that you'll really pray about them and be a part of our giving. And then one more thing, and then we're going to pray. Our Bible conference is just two weeks away, two weeks from today. And we're excited about our conference again this year. And it is a blessing. It's no way that I could uh, put words on what a blessing it has been to our church and and the ways God God has blessed us because of the conference. But many pastors come in, guests come in from all over the country to be with us or we put them up provide meals for them and everything like that we just make it to where they can get away for a week and come in and be on the receiving end pastors are all the time giving out and rarely have the opportunity to take in and they need to take in as much as anybody else and so we've been doing this for a number of years and we uh, appreciate all that god has done what we need is a lot of workers to help us in the kitchen uh, and we're not. going to We move them from motel this year to where they have a breakfast in their motel. So we're not going to be providing the breakfast. This will take a few hours off some of our ladies who save some from having them come in at 5 and 6 o'clock in the morning. But we will continue to provide lunch and a meal for them after the service. So we need several ladies that will sign up to help us in the kitchen. And also we'll need uh, several ladies to bake cakes. There is a sign-up list out in the lobby there. We're going to be asked for specific kinds of cakes this year rather than just uh, a lot of different ones and so you read the sheet out there and it'll tell you and read it carefully you'll see what you can sign up for but if you can help us in this way check the uh, sign up sheet there and put your name on it and help us any way you can for the Bible conference let's pray Father bless the offering now continue to move in this service we'll thank you in Jesus name Amen
2: choice oh. and I am
3: I got a another song that we do that we haven't done in a long time um, I guess I'm a member now so I can stand up here and say what's on my heart oh. this song we haven't done it in a long time we may mess it up but it talks about you know no matter what you've done in your life no matter where you've been or no matter how bad a person you think you are God is in the ministry to touch people's lives just like that. Yes. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't need, you know, if you never turn to God like you need him or, or you're ever humble, you know, God looks at those that are down here this morning sitting in this auditorium and their hearts are breaking or their hearts have burdens that you bring every Sunday to church. Every Sunday you come and you sit there and you think God knows what I'm what I'm feeling and and but you never respond. You never acknowledge to God, "Lord, I need your help. I need you to mend my heart that's broken from maybe something that happened to you this week or the week before or maybe someone in your family has been diagnosed with something." that you don't know what to do about. But you know, Aaron taught about this morning at Sunday school that God will give grace for any need that you have in your life. I mean, just think about that. Any need that you have in your life this
4: morning,
3: He can meet it. I know the Lord has blessed me in my life more than I deserve. More than I deserve. You just listen to the words of this song and I hope that it can minister to your heart.
4: And someone like you
1: that, don't you? Take your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 1, the book of Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Let's stand as we honor the reading of His Word. While you're finding your place, let me read a card that I forgot to read just a moment ago. said, Brother Ken, Temple Baptist Church, thank you so much for your prayers, phone call, flowers, and the recent death of my sister, Mary Jo Jordan. This is from Dot. And we appreciate Woody and Dot and appreciate this card. Mark chapter 1, I want to think this morning on the thought, what will happen when Jesus comes to church? You ever thought about that? What will happen when Jesus comes to church? Look at Mark 1, verse 21. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. We find the Lord Jesus, we might say, going to church. And when he went to church, some unusual things happened. Look at verse 21, Mark 1. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. Verse 27, they were all amazed. Insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with what authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him? And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. Thank you. May be seated. Let's pray. And then this morning, for just a little while, we'll look at this passage of Scripture and we'll think about what happens when Jesus comes to church. Our Father, this morning we thank you for your blessings. I thank you, Lord, that in spite of my sin and in spite of the life that I lived, you saved me by your grace. Lord, I could never repay you for what you have done. And I ask you by your grace to help me never get over what you have done. Father, I thank you for your wonderful grace. Now, Father, we thank you for being with us this morning. That's what we want. You are welcome in this place. And we want you, Lord, every time we assemble here to be our honored guest. Lord, we ask you, Lord, that you might open the scriptures this morning and speak to our hearts and give us a word that will help us. And, Lord, put something in our heart that would make the deepest desire of our heart to be in the presence of the Lord. So, Father, speak to us today, and we'll praise you and thank you, for it is in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things, amen. I think about a story that I heard a number of years ago about this fellow that was sitting out on the steps of a church, and the Lord Jesus came walking by, and he noticed the man sitting there with his head between his knees with a dejected look on his face, and he said to him, What's wrong? What's wrong? And the man said, I tried to get in this church, but they wouldn't let me in. Jesus sat down beside him, put his arms around him, said, don't feel bad. I've been trying to get in there 20 years, and they won't let me in. Amen. Well, I've been in a few churches that I wondered if they had really opened their doors to the Lord Jesus. I want you to look in Romans, or not Romans, but Revelation 3. They use this verse in the song they just sung, but I want you to look there for just a moment, and then we'll come back to Mark chapter 1. But to me, one of the most alarming verses in all the Bible, Revelation 3 and verse 20. Again, I think it's one of the most alarming, one of the most disturbing verses in all the Bible. Revelation 3, 20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Now we often use that verse of Scripture as an illustration of Christ seeking to save those that are lost. But if you look at it in its context, in reality it's a continuing part of the message that Jesus gave to the church of Laodicea. When you look in Revelation chapter 3 and you look at the church of Laodicea, you find that it was not so much that Christ was seeking, knocking on the heart of a sinner, though there's nothing wrong with using that way, such as they sung so wonderfully just a moment ago, but it's Christ seeking entrance into the church. You look at the church of Laodicea. What a fascinating church it was. Jesus said in verse 16 that it was a church that was lukewarm. Verse 16, he said, I know thou art lukewarm. And when Jesus spoke of the church of Laodicea as being lukewarm, he was describing a people without enthusiasm and a people without emotion. One writer said these people were orthodox, but they trafficked in unfelt truth and refused to get excited over religion. Can I say that again? They were orthodox. You could say they were biblically sound. They were fundamentally straight when it came to the Word of God, but they trafficked in unfelt truth and they refused to get excited over their religion. They didn't feel, they didn't have that excitement or that emotion in their relationship with the Lord. And thus you find the Lord condemning them. And our Lord's condemnation of their conditions at the church of Laodicea reveals the fact that the Lord looks for enthusiasm in the church and the Lord looks for a people with white, hot hearts. In fact, his instructions were, in verse 19, be zealous therefore. And the word zealous there literally means be bawling. Jesus said, I condemn you for being lukewarm. I condemn you for your lack of enthusiasm. I condemn you for your lack of emotion. What I want you to do is to be bawling. Jesus was saying, I want you to be on fire. I think about a story Clovis Chapel told in one of his books about a town atheist in a small town here in the state of Tennessee. And everybody called him Uncle George. On Sunday, he would sit over there in front of the country store and whittle and ridicule and make fun of the church and the people that went to church. Well, one day the church caught on fire. And as they often did in those days, they formed a bucket brigade to throw water on the fire. Well, at the very head of the brigade was Uncle George, the town atheist. And the pastor walked up to him and said, Uncle George... I've never seen you at church before. And Uncle George looked at him and said, I've never seen the church on fire before either, amen. Well, when Jesus talked about the church at Laodicea, he was telling us that he wanted to see the church on fire. In fact, when you look at the scripture and the story there, you find that it made our Lord sick when they, because the church was a lukewarm church. He said in verse 16, So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. In other words, Jesus said, You make me want to throw up. Now, that's a good Sunday morning subject. Say amen right there. But he said, you make me sick. It is disgusting. May I say to you this morning, I believe our Lord is disgusted at the lifelessness and the deadness and the coldness that he finds in the average church. Can I get an amen right there? R.C. Campbell told about a preacher who was urged to put on the brakes, and I loved his response. He said, God did not call me to be a brakeman. He called me to be a fireman. Amen. Yeah. Now, won't you listen to me this morning? Let me just go on record. Can I, can I drift for just a moment? Can I drift for just a I just want to go on record this morning just in case somebody has the wrong impression of me and has the wrong impression of the church. If you think when it comes to our services that I'm going to put the brakes on, then you've got another thing coming. Now, if other churches want to act like they're having a funeral and how they're, uh, how they're having, a, having a funeral and things are dead, that's their right and that's their choice. If that's the way they want to go to church and that's the way they want to worship, that's all right. But as for us, we're not acting like we're having a funeral. We come on Sunday morning and Sunday night to celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and saved us hell-deserving sinners. And if you think we're going to sing like we're mourning some tragedy, you're wrong. We're going to sing like we're celebrating the victory. And if you think we're going to sit like little porcelain dolls in our pews looking like we're ready to break in any moment, then you're all mixed up. No, we're coming to church, and we're going to come to church to worship God, and we're going to come to church to praise God and give Him the glory that He deserves and give Him the glory that He desires. If you think I'm going to be a breakman, then you need to get somebody else. I'm a fireman say amen right there. I think about this day and time, it's, it's pathetic. And I'm wondering for a moment, but I'm going to wonder. I have that right once in a while, say amen. I'm getting older, I'm losing my mind, so you'll have to forgive me, say amen. But I think it's pathetic in our day and time. You go to some churches, and I have the opportunity to go and place. Some churches are so cold, if you let a cow down the aisle milk her, she'd give popsicles. Can I get an amen right there? And I believe it makes our Lord sick. He wants to find emotion. He wants to find enthusiasm among the people of God. But we live in such a day and time that if a church ever praises God, and Baptist folks especially, if they worship God and they're excited and there's emotion in their worship, somebody tags them as being charismatic. Oh, they say they're going down this way or they're going down that route. They're going in the charismatic direction. I want you to listen to me. I want you to look up here at me today. Will you look at me? You see my hair right here? I'm 45 years old. And I have for some reason gained a reputation that has something to do with my hair, amen? But look at me. You do not see my hair receding. I'm 45 years old, my hair's not receding. You look right here. It's not a bald spot coming up in my hair. It's turning gray, but it's not turning loose. But if I was as bald as a cue ball, now listen to me. If I was as bald as a cue ball and all I had was one little hair on my head, one little old hair on my head, if I thought it was going charismatic, I'd pull that hair out. You understand me? Listen to me. I, just because Baptist folks praise God, say amen, lift their hands and shout, doesn't mean you're going left field. It means you're going right. Can I get amen right there? God wants to find a folk that are zealous about being saved. Uh, don't you worry about someone, well, do not you afraid? Charismatic come in. I was walking through the house this morning. And again, I'm a deviating and I know it. And again, I've got to forgive me. I'm losing my mind. But I was walking through the house this morning. I always watch Dr. Merritt from eight thirty nine 9 o'clock, and then I come down to church. And I was listening this morning as I walked through the house, and this fellow was on TV that followed him. I believe his name is Parsley. I don't know if you've ever heard of him or not. And I heard him make a statement. And he said, That will make even a Baptist talk in tongues. Now, can I tell you what I thought? Would you like to know what I thought? I thought to myself, Parsley. You're a nutcase to start with, but I didn't realize how bad of a nutcase you was, amen? Or were, let me get my grammar correct, amen? I'm talking about the Lord. He wants His people to be on fire. The church at Laodicea, Jesus said, you're lukewarm, you make me sick. But there was something else about it. He said in verse 16, or not in verse 16, but in verse 17, He said, they boasted, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. They got their little financial reports out and looked at their facilities and they said to themselves we don't have a need in this world but what they realized didn't realize was they had a major need. And the major need was they needed Christ in the church. For in Revelation 3:20 you find the Lord standing outside knocking on the door trying to get entrance into the church. He said, you say you don't have need of anything. You say you're rich, have everything that you want, but you don't have me. I'm going to tell you this morning the tragedy of all tragedies is when the Lord is absent in the church. There is something far worse than attendance or offerings being down, and that's gathering on the Lord's day and Jesus Christ not being with us. Can I get an amen right there? In other words, we need Jesus when we come to church. We need the Lord to come to church with us, but that's all in Introduction now, I've got my senses back. Let me get back to my message, amen? What will happen when Jesus comes to church? You look in Mark chapter 1 and you see Jesus going to church. Actually, you see him going to a Jewish synagogue. But a Jewish synagogue service would be to, what, be to us what a church service is today. Well, I want you to notice what happened when Jesus went to this synagogue service. Jot these three things down very quickly. Number one, when Jesus goes to church, there are the words we will hear. Now, you mark it down. Listen to me carefully this morning. When Jesus goes to church and comes to church, you mark it down, we're going to hear something. And when Jesus comes to church, he's going to have something to say to us. Look at verse 21 and 22. And they went into Capernaum and straightway on the Sabbath day. He entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. You see, there were the words they heard Jesus came to church and he taught them they were the words they heard now let me explain to you what a Jewish synagogue service was like a Jewish synagogue service was very traditional a Jewish synagogue service was very formal it was very rigid it would have consisted of its liturgy it would have consisted of the reading of the benedictions it would have consisted of the chantings of the hallelujahs. It would consist of the reading of the portion of the law that was appointed for that day. And as well as a reading of the portion of the prophets that was appointed at that, for that day. And then there would be a teacher that would give an exposition of the law and the portion of the prophets that, have, that was read. Now every Jewish synagogue had what they called a ruler of the synagogue. But it did not have a permanent preacher, we would call it, or a permanent teacher. The ruler of the synagogue was the one responsible for getting someone to teach on the Sabbath day. Well, it so happens that on this particular Sabbath day, Jesus had been invited by the ruler of the synagogue to bring the message that day. And it so happened that Jesus was the guest speaker at this synagogue in Capernaum. But little did they know, they were about to hear a preacher in a sermon like they had never been had never heard before in their life. I don't know about you, but I'd like to have been a fly on the wall when Jesus started preaching that morning. You talking about getting a lesson and squirming 101, you could have got one. You talking about jaws dropping and eyeballs bugging, you bet they did on that day. They had never... That word astonished means to be struck by a blow? You talking about a stunned congregation... When Jesus got up to teach that day, he absolutely struck them. They were a stunned bunch of people. say, why? Notice how distinct was his message. How distinct was his message. Verse 22, and they were astonished, now notice carefully, at his doctrine. And I put the emphasis on his. They were astonished at his doctrine. You see, when he came in that day, He didn't do like they normally did. Most of the time, the rabbis and different ones that spoke, they would go back to this rabbi and they'd quote this rabbi and they'd come up with all these figures and all these facts and all these rules and regulations and bore the people to death. But Jesus... He didn't come teaching them things they were accustomed to hearing. He did not deal with the ordinary. He did not deal with traditional things. He taught them his doctrine. You say, what did he teach? Well, Mark doesn't tell us or record what he had to say. But I believe you have a hint of it in verses 14 and 15. Mark 1, 14, 15, the Bible said Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel, the kingdom of God, and said, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Jesus didn't get up and tell them what the prophet Isaiah said. He didn't tell them what the prophet Jeremiah said. He didn't tell, quote, Rabbi Daniel or Rabbi Ezra. Jesus got up. He talked about heaven and hell. He talked about life and death. He talked about salvation, eternal life. It was his doctrine. It was a distinct message, but it was also a direct message. Look in verse 22 as well for he taught them as one that had authority and not as a scribe's. You see that word authority there? The word speaks of that which comes in force. It talks about the influence of his words. You see, Jesus didn't bore them to death. He didn't talk about issues that had no interest to them. He didn't talk about rules and regulations that bore them to death. Now, when Jesus got up, he went straight for their hearts. Jesus looked them in the eye. And if he was a good old Carolina preacher, got out of his pulpit, walked down the front row, looked one eye ball to eyeball, and said, you need to believe on the gospel. You need to be saved. He loaded the gospel shotgun and shot it straight down the middle. And his words came with force, and his words came with power. Now, what will happen when Jesus comes? When Jesus comes to church, he will say something to you. That's why I want him to come here. Because at the very best, all I can do is deliver a sermon. But if Jesus comes to church, he'll talk to your heart. He'll get a hold of your heart. He'll talk to you about your sin. He'll talk to you about your need of being saved. He'll talk to you about how you're living. When Jesus comes, he will speak to you. And we often put it this way, he got a hold of my heart. You remember when he got a hold of your heart? I remember that Sunday in April the 2nd, 1972, when he got a hold of my heart. He spoke to me that day. Jesus came to church that day and spoke to me. When he comes, he will have something to say. He's already been talking this service today. Can I get amen right there? He'll talk to you. I've preached before, and I know it's not my preaching or how I preach or style or the sermon itself, but it's Jesus Christ talking. See someone back there grabbing the back of a pew and holding on, someone standing there like, hey, who, who, how does he know me? He's talking about me. No, it's not me. It's Jesus. When he comes, he will talk to you. Blessed be his name. That's when he comes. That's why we want him to come. He'll get very personal, but I'm going to tell you something else that'll happen. Not only when he comes... Where there be the words we will hear, but there is the work we will see. Now, listen to me when Jesus comes to church, you're not going to hear something. When Jesus comes to church, you're going to see something as well. Now, if you think what he had to say stunned them, then what happened when he got through thunderstruck them. Because notice with me one, something disturbing happened in the service. Look at verse 23 and 24. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy thee? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Now, if you think they were stunned when Jesus started preaching, can you imagine what it was like when all of a sudden, This man jumps up about halfway back of the service and cries out, let us alone. We know who you are. I can imagine, pardon me, but my imagination runs. I can imagine, I bet you every Jew in that service jumped halfway out of their seat. I bet they act like they've been electrocuted. I can hear Miss High Horse of the village say, oh, no, somebody get me my nitroglycerin. I can imagine, are you talking about someone being shocked, scared, they're sitting there with their jaws dropped and their eyeballs bugging and what he's had to say, and now all of a sudden someone jumps up and says, Let us alone! Let us alone! You can imagine how it was. You have to forgive me, but I, have to, I can't help but laugh when I laugh when I think of the expressions it must have been on their faces. Somewhat like some of the expressions I see on your face today. <laughs> I've seen some come here and it tickles me. I've seen a few faces come around here. I've seen folk visit with us, and we love visitors, and God knows we love visitors. We love our visitors. But sometimes people visit here, and they're not quite prepared for what they find when they come here. It says Temple Baptist Church on the front. But they're not quite prepared when they come. I've seen folk prance in, and they sit down and they look around, and they have that look on their face. Well, how nice. This is a pretty building. And then the choir starts. And somebody jumps up and lets out a well glory. You would have thought we had electric wires run to the pew the way they jump. And you see that, look, oh, my. It's like they've got into some bunch of cult over there whatever. Or well, when Jesus, I oh, not you listen to me. You think I'm just one? Listen to me. When Jesus comes to church, it has a way of tearing up the ordinary. Yeah. When Jesus comes, it has a way of interrupting the ordinary. When Jesus comes, it has a way of busting through the lifelessness and the deadness. When Jesus comes, he'll disturb a service. Not only disturbing, something disturbing happened, but something different happened. Because you can be sure, I'll guarantee you, if they had pulled their church records and went back nowhere in a service... I can imagine some of the leaders getting together and saying, no, way! I've been here since I was a baby. My daddy was a charter member, and I've been here all of my life, and to my memory, I don't ever remember anybody jumping up in our services like that. Nobody's ever done that before. But he jumps up and says, let us alone in Jesus. The Bible said in verse 25, rebuked him. And the word rebuke simply means be muzzled. The English equivalent would, sh- would be, shut up. Jesus said, shut up, demon. You come out of him. And all of a sudden, the demons come out of him. Verse 23 said the man was in their synagogue. Look at that carefully. It didn't say he was this synagogue. He was in their synagogue. The words would su- seem to suggest he was a regular attender of their synagogue. He come there every Sabbath day. But dead, lifeless religion had never confronted his need. Dead, lifeless ritual liturgy had never confronted him with the need in his life. Read, I say to you today, dead religion, will never bring people to Christ. And lifeless services will never draw anybody to Christ. I'm going to tell you, that's why we need Jesus to come. It's more than me and you just having a good time. It's more than the old Adam hooping it up. It's Jesus coming in, breaking through the ordinary, disturbing the ordinary, and moving in mighty power and doing things that we cannot do in ourselves. That's what I'm talking about. When Jesus comes, he's going to move in lights. When Jesus comes to church, sin-hearted sinners will come under conviction. And cold-hearted believers are going to be moved. And sin in the life of the believer will be confronted. When Jesus comes, things will be different. Glory to God. I said it a while ago. Give him praise for it. Amen. You just know, think, a few months... Lord willing, we're going to be going on TV. We got equipment ordered. Now, if you think, now you listen to me. If you think we're going to tone it down because we're going to be on TV, then you got another thing coming. And if you think, just in case, you, if you think I'm going to let up, ease up, shut up, or back up once we get on TV, then you don't know me one iota because we're not changing one thing. This old world is sick of dead formalism. We need Christ to come to church. When he comes, sin's gonna be confronted. Lives are gonna be changed. We need Jesus to come. That's why I want him to come to church. There is the work we will see when Jesus comes. But a third and the final thing. See, some of you are getting awful pale. The third and the final thing. There is the wonder we will feel. What happens when he comes? There's the words we will hear. He's going to talk to you. He's going to say something to you. There's not only what we'll hear, there's what we'll see. But there's something we'll feel. Look at verse 27. And they were all amazed. Mark says they were amazed. They were filled with wonder. You mark it down when they went home that day. They went home saying, I have never been in a service like that before. We have never seen it like that before. Look at it. They talked about amazing things. There was amazing things they discussed. Mark said they questioned among themselves. The word question means they discussed it. They discussed among themselves what they heard, they discussed the new doctrine. They said, what do you think about that new preacher that came this morning? They discussed among themselves what they heard. They discussed among themselves what they had seen. They discussed about the power they had saw. They had never heard things or seen things on the fashion they'd saw that morning. It's all they could talk about. They discussed it among themselves. But not only the amazing things they discussed, but the amazing things they declared. But look at verse 28. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. All of a sudden everybody knew about Jesus. How did they know about Jesus? Because of what went on over there in that synagogue service. They went out there talking about it, they talked among themselves. They went down to the local diner on Monday morning and they said, You should have, or Sunday morning, they said, You should have been at church yesterday. You talking about different. They talked about it. They talked about it. And here come this old boy. He is alive, full of demons. He comes walking in singing, I'm a new man today. The word got around. They declared what Jesus had done. Now, wouldn't you like for Jesus to come to church at Temple Baptist? Wouldn't you like for it to be the talk of the town about what God is doing over here? Wouldn't you like for it to be the talk of the town that Jesus is coming to church here and Jesus coming to church and the other churches in our area? I say to you today, Lord Jesus, you're welcome here. I say to you, Lord Jesus, Sunday school starts at 945 and you're welcome in Sunday school. I say, Lord, Jesus, church starts at 10 minutes of 11, and we want you there 20 minutes early. And we say, Lord, we want you here at 6.30 on Sunday night, Wednesday night. And by the way, Lord, Bible conference is coming up, and we want you here every night. I say, Jesus, you're welcome here. Say amen. Amen? Jesus is welcome at Temple Baptist Church. Go on record and say that. I think about A.J. Gordon. Dr. A.J. Gordon was a great American preacher in the latter part of the 1800s. Pastor Clarendon Street Church in Boston, Massachusetts. Very, very prestigious church in that time. In fact, D.L. Moody said of A.J. Gordon and the church there that it was the most powerful pulpit in America at that time. A.J. Gordon was a man that was a scholar, his style of preaching was to take a text and to expound that text, to walk his congregation through that text. He Exposition, that was his, way, his, his style. He's known for his books and writings on the Holy Spirit, the administration of the Spirit of God in the church and whatever. His life was totally changed and transformed by a dream. Now, Gordon didn't take a lot of stock in dreams, but he had a dream one night that was so real that he never forgot it. It changed his whole life. It was a late Saturday night. He was weary and tired from the hours he had spent preparing his ser- sermons for Sunday. He went to sleep. And in his dream, he found himself standing in his pulpit to a full congregation. The building was packed out. And he was just getting ready to start his message when a stranger walked in the back door and started down the left aisle of his church. he had never seen him before. And he noticed as the stranger walked down the aisle that he walked slowly and looked this way and he looked that way as, and his eyes looked as if he was saying to somebody, will somebody let me have your seat? Will somebody share me your seat? Finally, about halfway down, a man stood up and offered the stranger his seat. He sat down. Gordon said there was something about him. I couldn't get my eyes off of him. I preached that day and I brought my message, but I, would, I looked this way, but I kept coming back, to the stranger sitting to the left. And he said, I determined in my heart that as soon as the service was over, I was going to go meet the stranger and find out who he was. So when the priest finished his sermon and dismissed the services, the crowd filled the aisles and prevented him from getting back to the stranger before the stranger had left. He walked back to the man the stranger had been sitting beside and said, Sir, do you know who that is? Who the stranger, whom the stranger was that sat by you this morning. And the man looked at him and said, Why? You do not know that man? He said, Pastor, that was Jesus Nazareth. And Gordon, somewhat disappointed, said, My dear sir, why didn't you let, why did you let him go without introducing him to me? And the man replied, He has been here today, and he will come Again, The dream was so real to Gordon because of this. He was so moved that Jesus had come to his church and had found things acceptable and pleasing that he made the statement, I'll be back. And for the rest of his life, Gordon's whole theme and his whole ministry was built around the fact that he would not preach a sermon that if, unless he knew that Jesus, if he was sitting in his congregation, would hear it, would say to him, I'll be back. And he saw to it that nothing went on in the church that would ever displease the Lord. He saw to it that the way they handled things and the way they did things, that if Jesus ever come, he would not be displeased, but he would say, I was here today, and I'll be back again. I don't know about you, in fact, Gordon wrote a book about the whole experience entitled How Christ Came to Church. Autobiography declared in Street Church in Boston. You listen to me. You may not understand everything, but I want you to understand this. There's only one thing I want, and I want Jesus to come to church. I want Him to come to church every service. Amen? Let's stand their our feet.